As the sun rose over the Persian Gulf, wait a minute, what the devil do you see? Many saw this. Yeah! Devil horns? Given all the bad stuff happening around the Persian Gulf these days, no wonder it was dubbed Dawn of Evil. That's creepy. The photo was taken by an astronomy buff on vacation in Qatar during a partial eclipse back on December 26th. It went viral after it was published as NASA's astronomy picture of the day. Though physics professor Robert Nemiroff helped pick the photo, he didn't see devil horns. The sun was rising with the moon blocking part of it. Plus, the surface of the sea played tricks with the light. It was a mirage effect. Speaking of special effects, after Fox News host Sean Hannity posted the image, someone doctored it to show the horns coming out of Sean's head. The photo is begging the question, who exactly is the great Satan? Devil horns have been around for this for ages, though the meaning of the gesture varies. A lady wouldn't make little snake eyes at me when I... Gene Simmons from KISS even tried to trademark the sign unsuccessfully. You know, people are always seeing devil's horns where they don't actually exist. For instance, when Michelle Obama did this Vogue cover, or when then-President-elect Trump was named Time's Person of the Year... Folks claim that everyone from Bill Clinton to Pope Francis has horns when it's just an innocent M. Not everyone saw devil horns during the eclipse. Looks like a bikini top. As the sun rose, the horns dissipated, but not the dark interpretations. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea, Revelation 13. What's really revealing is how this photo is making so many people devilishly horny. We were not in league with the devil when, when we ran this. I just want to make that clear. Genimos, CNN, New York. Well, welcome everyone to the Tori Seth Show. I'm pretty sure you guys can hear that my voice is a little bit off, hence why I had not done a show. Uh, for those of you that know... Um, uh, so that was the real reason. I could have just jumped on a stereo. I could have um, done at least an hour show, but I didn't want anyone to know uh, what was happening. Uh, so, you know, I wanted a little bit of um, time on that. Uh, so you can hear that there is a little shift in my voice and that's normal. Now, welcome everyone. I missed you guys. Um, I've been very busy. I wasn't just there for the dossier, but there was a lot more uh, that I was busy doing. Um, I thought today I could play a clip that's over a year old because now you're going to see one from today because today was the day that you could see the same arise, kind of like you have two lampposts on the side showing you exactly uh who, what, when, where. Give me a moment. Let me share that with you. I had to kill the feeds in the other um, channels only to be able to maintain them as, you know, the, the attempts to silence truth is insane. 
And today you're going to realize just how big of an infodemic this is uh, because it is an infodemic. And those that you have trusted are on board with this infodemic. And I'm going to demonstrate that to you. This is from today. Give me a second. Let's see. Okay. So as you can see, this is um, from Ontario, Canada. Um, today is the eclipse. And indeed, they claim that it is the um, devil's horns, as they claim. And today they land. But what's most important is something that I've always kind of put back. I've, I've said this many times, and I actually look through the Tory said, which is an amazing site that someone created. You can't really find words that aren't in the dictionary of transcription. So you probably can't find when I first told you guys about this infodemic um, that is here. And also uh, Greek mythology. I love it, right? I love it. But see, a lot of people, whenever I say, always think of the message over the messenger because the messenger is not always someone people appreciate. And the reason is, is because the message isn't always a message that you can understand. Understanding a message is more difficult than receiving it. And so I wanted to introduce you guys to the ultimate messenger and the ultimate messenger's history. Um, because you'll understand in that sense of just how long this has been going on throughout the eons. So I thought that um, today uh, we can discuss that. I found a very, very nice um, uh, video we can analyze together discussing uh, this uh, this messenger and exactly what the message means. See, today I've put an icon um, up at the top, you know, right-hand corner as you see. And everyone identifies that as that of medicine because it depicts our DNA. It depicts all of this duplicity that humanity has, including our molecular coding. And what people don't understand is that the message comes from that coding. And you're going to realize that today. So I thought you're going to understand how myths and stories uh, sometimes tell you a lot more uh, than anything else. And it's they're coined as myths and stories. That way people don't pay attention anymore. Uh, this is the way you win uh, a war of information. So the divine trickster, the messenger, was always Hermes. And Hermes, one of the most <laughs> amazing handbags too, by the way. So let's take a listen to this. Think of your favorite deity, male, female, or giant crocodile. It doesn't really matter. Now, it's likely that that deity has a specific field or domain associated with them. For example, the god of the sky, the goddess of wisdom, or perhaps a deity associated with something as abstract as time. It's then very easy to identify these deities because of what they're associated with, and these associations commonly branch out to other things. A god or goddess associated with numerous ideas is not uncommon. 
But with Hermes, we have a jack of all trades and a god of many titles. The messenger, the trickster, and the conductor of souls are just a few. The sheer number of things that Hermes is considered to be the patron of is just one of the many reasons that he is perhaps the most unique deity in the Greek pantheon. We mentioned a few of his largest roles being the messenger of the gods and the conductor of souls in the afterlife, but Hermes was also considered the god of trade, merchants, wealth, and commerce, as well as language, crossroads, sports, athletes, boundaries, borders, thieves, graves, and heraldry, and yet somehow was still not finished, because he was also the patron of shepherds, the protector of travellers, and the divine trickster. So I think it's fair to say the ancient Greeks couldn't exactly avoid the worship of Hermes. The earliest depictions of Hermes can be traced all the way back to the Mycenaeans, who referred to him as Ermeha, which isn't too different to how the Greeks pronounce his name today, with the H almost being silent or sounding more like Er. Who we call Hermes, the Greeks call Ermes. The exact origins of the name Hermes aren't exactly too clear, but quite a few scholars believed it to have originated from the word Herma, which referred to a heap of stones that marked a boundary. From this then derived the word Hermi, or Hermai, which were a set of boundary markers used by travellers dedicated to Hermes, and thus we can explain his association with travellers, boundaries, and borders. Just like the vast majority of Olympians, it should come as no surprise to anyone that Hermes was a child of Zeus. His mother, on the other hand, was a nymph named Maia, the eldest of the Pleiades, the seven daughters of Atlas. According to popular legend, Zeus visited Mount Silene, the home of Atlas's daughters. It was here during the dead of night that he would impregnate Maia, and somehow by the crack of dawn Hermes would be born. The idea of a child being conceived and born within a day would certainly seem more than strange, but when we consider the fact that Hermes possessed unmeasurable speed, a birth that took mere hours certainly isn't the weirdest thing we've seen thus far. The first thing Maya did was wrap her newborn son in swaddling bands to keep him safe while she herself rested, but even as a newborn baby, we start to see the trickster side of Hermes. He managed to eventually squirm free of the swaddling bands, and the first thing he did was run all the way from Arcadia to Thessaly, where his brother Apollo grazed his prized cattle. Hermes then stole several of the herd and took them back home, where he hid them in a small grotto near the city of Pylos. But that wasn't enough adventure for the newborn Hermes. On his way back to his cave, he caught and killed an enormous tortoise, using its entrails to create the first lyre. Apollo, believing that his cattle had in fact been stolen, then travelled to Mount Silene, informing Maya that he believed Hermes was responsible. Maya turned in to see her son still wrapped where she left him, claimed that Apollo's accusations could physically not be possible. However, Zeus had been watching his newborn son quite closely, and though he was amused by his antics, he demanded that he return the cattle. Hermes then proceeded to take out the lyre that he previously made and began to play. The music was so enchanting that Apollo just had to have this instrument, and so he made Hermes an offer. He could keep the cattle that he had previously stolen, but in exchange he would have to give Apollo this new instrument. Hermes, of course, orchestrating this entire situation, did not hesitate to accept the offer. The lyre would go on to become one of Apollo's many symbols, and he would eventually become a grandmaster of the instrument, all thanks to his cunning baby brother Hermes. This story not only explains Hermes' association with thieves, cattle, and shepherds, but we also get a brief insight into his interest and talent when it came to music, not to mention how cunning Hermes was, being able to trick and outwit his brother despite being born on that very same day. For those of you wondering about the Roman or the Etruscan counterpart to Hermes, he went by the name of Mercury, and to be honest, they were quite similar. The Romans, however, did manage to narrow down Mercury's patronage to mostly just commerce and travel. So with Hermes now no longer being a baby, we can take a look at his numerous lovers, children, and I guess overall family. Being the son of Zeus, Hermes had countless siblings, a list that is far too long for me to go over in just one video. So I just wanted to point out, so Hermes, Mercury, whatever you want to call him, was swift and hijacked his brother's 
future by giving him the lyre, right? By giving him the actual instrument to, that Apollo would master and use uh, to the correct frequencies to be able to um, disseminate his message. And and like the introduction said, he was known for many things, jack of all trades, from travel to commerce to um orchestrating plots to be able to uh, put things the way they are. He's depicted as, as someone that's a trickster, but his tricks were never done to cause harm. They were to guide the rest of his siblings. But we can use the rule that if it came from Zeus, then it was most likely related to Hermes. Similar to his father, Hermes had many nymph and human lovers, with the most famous of these being Dryope and Merope. Along with these nymphs and humans, Hermes also had numerous romantic relations and affairs with other goddesses, including Phaeto, the goddess of persuasion and seduction, Aphrodite, the goddess of love, and Hecate, the goddess of magic. Like many of the other Greek gods, Hermes had numerous children, but these children never really reached the heights of fame and notoriety of the other Greek gods' offspring. The child that I'm sure many of you have heard of is the god of the wild Pan, who does have many different fathers, but there are stories that claim his parents were in fact Hermes and Dryope. I'm not entirely sure who I'd consider Pan's father, but Hermes and Pan do certainly share some characteristics, such as their fun, laid-back, and tricks-the-like nature. When you couple this with his impressive strength and speed, Hermes being his father is definitely a distinct possibility. So I wanted to tell you guys, so Pan, right? His temple is actually, a majority of his temple, or where he lived, I think I've mentioned this before, um, was actually on property that my great-grandfather had. Um, it is part of uh, a mountain range called the Geraniums um, in uh, outside of Corinth on the mainland side before the canal. And uh, actually, I have uh, friends whose parents found ancient gold coins and made a, a fortune, actually, by finding them. And he was from my... Um, from where I derive, from the little village that I derive from in Greece. And his, um, shall I say, temple uh, was located there. His home was located there, the, their actual findings. And those findings happened, I believe, in the 70s and 80s. And as children, uh, we would um, go into the mountain with metal detectors uh, to locate the temple. And the funny, I guess, crossover, one might say, is there's a saint called Saint um, Patapius that was a monk who has been mummified. Nobody knows how he was mummified. Still grow. Um, it's considered a miracle. And he's still there. The, the body is still there, still growing. But Pan's temple or home or center of origination was in the same area where this saint was found uh, praying and now mummified. And like I said, he's mummified, but his hair is still growing and his nails are still being clipped. I mean, you guys can check it out. Um, it's, it's very well known. It's St. Patapius, P-A-T-A-P-I-O-S. Uh, people actually travel there just to see his shrine, well, shrine, his, him, 
just in the glass casket. Uh, there's no crazy scientific, you know, pressure, water conditions that they hold him in. He's in the same cave where he was found. The only thing is, is that the nuns have kind of laid him down and they maintain the body by washing it and clipping the hair and the nails. Um, if you guys are into seeing things like that, that would be a great vacation spot. Um, my aunt's actually the head nun there. Uh, head none of the monastery now. Uh, the the previous one uh, passed away about um, I, I I believe seven eight years ago, uh, and they pray for me extra. Sometimes I call the nuns and I'm like, hey, I need some extra prayers, please. <laughs> I I really do that. But I, I wanted to say it's really important that. Uh, we listen to how he's put this together, all aspects of it, because it's all about knowledge and understanding where that knowledge goes and how it comes. And I've stated it before, your genetics uh, are code. It's like a computer code, only it's called molecular programming. And this code is something that no one should ever tamper with. No one should ever clip, silence, amplify, or edit, because then you are no longer that original code. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's that simple. For those of you that want it even more simple, think there's Linux. <laughs> you have a Linux computer, a Windows-based, a Mac, a Apple-based, right, where it has iOS. They're different languages, and they present themselves and do different things. Um, Linux obviously is more um, open to be able to be manipulated a lot easier. So I want you guys to, to, to think of that as you listen to what they tell you about Hermes slash Mercury slash Pan. And don't forget, Mercury is a planet. Hermes, Mercury, whatever is a planet, is the one that's closest to the sun. And the cycle is 88 days, apparently, going around the sun, a according to what mainstream science wants to tell you. And if you think of the statement, Mars is the past, Venus is the future, then comes, then comes. So think of that as you listen to the rest of this. His other children of note included Tyche, the goddess of fortune and prosperity, whom was mothered by Aphrodite. Together with Aphrodite, Hermes had another child by the name of Hermaphroditus, an extremely handsome young boy who fell in love with a nymph named Salmachus. Salmachus prayed for the two to be united forever, and eventually her prayers would be answered, but perhaps not in the way that the two wished, as they were merged together, creating one androgynous form, both man and woman, hence their name being a compound of Hermes and Aphrodite, and later being the origins for the word Hermaphrodite. The rest of Hermes' children are either beautiful maidens or minor heroes. These included Meritilus, whose mother was an Amazon, Euderus, who was one of Achilles' five commanders in the Trojan War, and lastly Angelia, who followed in her father's footsteps, becoming a spirit of messages, tidings, and proclamation. With Hermes being born on Mount Silene in Arcadia, it's no real surprise that that is the oldest known location of his worship. Some believe that the first temple dedicated to Hermes was constructed by King Lycoen, the king of Arcadia who was turned into a wolf by Zeus. Because of the sheer amount of things that fell under the patronage of Hermes, naturally his worship would spread across the entire country, with a rather large cult located in Athens, which then radiated through the whole land, with temples and statues being seen everywhere. The statues of Hermes commonly depicted him as a young teen, and that's because many saw his role as helping or guiding the young into adulthood. This was most common amongst hunters and soldiers, as they would often have some kind of ceremony that signified their transition from childhood into adulthood. These often took the form of a specific hunt or battle, 
Regardless of which, these were extremely stressful times for what we would consider today to be just children. The image of Hermes at a similar age to these children, we can assume bought them a certain degree of comfort, and provided them with the confidence they needed to face their coming trials and tribulations. During these festivals honouring Hermes, it was commonplace to see animals such as goats, lambs and pigs, along with the customary cakes and honey. However, some of these festivals involved more than just a simple sacrifice in the name of Hermes. The Hermes were a series of festivals that celebrated athletics and gymnastics, and it was fairly commonplace for adults to be excluded from these festivals, because they were seen as the initiation for a young boy to become a man. A large portion of Hermes' followers were also made up of farmers and shepherds, because of his association with nature and cattle. They would look to Hermes to keep their cattle healthy, as well as safe and out of the way of thieves. Which is quite ironic when you think about it, because thieves in need of guidance would often turn to Hermes. So who exactly Hermes would help in this situation, I don't really know. Maybe he flipped a coin, or maybe he just ignored them all. There are also those that believe Hermes was capable of travelling through different planes of existence, drifting in between whenever he was needed, and that is how he could so easily travel between our land and the land of the dead, being able to see worlds that were invisible to mortals, as well as other deities. When we see statues of Hermes, he usually appears as a fairly young man, wearing a winged cap and winged sandals, holding the caduceus, his winged staff entwined with two serpents, which also served as his primary symbol. His other many symbols included the rooster, the ram, the hawk, the tortoise, the lyre, and the strawberry tree. The trait, however, that most people recognize Hermes for is, of course, his remarkable speed. Now, for those of you wondering how fast Hermes was, I can't really give you a number in terms of miles per hour, but my extremely super professional guess would be really, really fast. Hermes was also an extremely intelligent individual, and though at times he may appear as a bit of a trickster, by no means does that mean he was evil or cruel. He appeared to have quite a strong connection to humankind. When he wasn't tricking the other gods for his own amusement, it would be to help humanity. In some stories, Hermes was sent by Zeus to share his knowledge of humanity and teach them the value of justice to help form a relationship between mortal and god, and this arguably could be why Hermes shows so much favour to humanity. Over time, the image of Hermes began to change, similar to that of Dionysus. He appeared as a mature, bearded man, dressed as a traveller, and this highlighted the more intelligent friend and teacher to humanity, which definitely paints a nice contrast between the young, scantily clothed, athletic depictions of Hermes. There isn't much said about his time in the underworld, but we know he was a conductor of souls, helping ferry the dead to Hades. He would take his golden staff and send the dead into a deep slumber, and whilst in this trance, Hermes would guide them through the dark and treacherous path before them. The next time they woke, they would be in Hades. This process also led many to believe that Hermes was a god of sleep, and the dreams of omen, which were messages sent by the dead. It's believed that after the abduction of Persephone, when Hermes was sent to bring her back, he was soon after appointed the guide of dead souls. Apart from Hades, Persephone, and Hecate, Hermes was the only other deity ever really allowed to leave the underworld without any repercussions or consequence. If we take a look at the love story of Orpheus and Eurydice, when she is granted one day on earth to see her husband, it is Hermes who escorts her to Orpheus and then back to Hades. So now we finally move on to the stories that Hermes appeared in. The story of Hermes stealing Apollo's cattle as a child is definitely one of his most well-known stories, but perhaps the most celebrated was his battle with Argus Penipetus, the giant with 100 eyes. The story begins with Hera, well, being Hera, by transforming a woman named Io into a cow because she was jealous that Zeus loved her. She then placed the giant Penipetus, the all-seeing, to guard the cow. In some stories, it was actually Zeus who transformed Io into a cow in an attempt to hide her from Hera, but she demanded the cow from Zeus and once again assigned the giant to guard her. Hermes was then instructed by Zeus to steal the cow, but the giant was warned of his arrival, and so he was unable to sneak past the giant, forced instead to slay him in battle. 
Hermes then used his staff to close all 100 of the giant's eyes, sending him into a deep slumber. He then cut off the giant's head with his golden sword and threw it off a cliff onto the rocks below. When the giants then marched on Olympus, Hermes killed the giant Hippolytos with his gold sword, and quite often Hermes can be seen wielding this gold sword in battle. Hermes also played a part in defeating the biggest giant of all, Typhon. When Zeus faced Typhon alone for the very first time, he actually lost. And after this encounter, Typhon cut out Zeus's... Now, we've talked about Typhon, the beast, that um, the, the gods of Olympus had gone up against. We spoke about Typhon before. His tendons, leaving him powerless and defeated. Hermes, however, was not amongst the gods who had transformed themselves into animals and fled to Egypt. He instead came to aid his father, stealing back the tendons and restoring the power that Typhon had stolen from Zeus. Hermes also appears... So if you remember how the story went, all the gods changed their uh, image, right? They changed the way they looked. And this is where the Egyptians, the Egyptian gods got gods that look like animals. Um, and I told you how the ancient Greek mythology then became Egyptian mythology and Egyptian gods that were based on animals. So they had changed their image into animals to run away from typhus the big big threat the big evil monster demonic monster that they were up against so what hermes did is he didn't change into an animal but instead he went and took everything that made that giant monster strong and while deceptively being around this monster took it and then gave it back so that they can win. This is what's important to listen to. There's in some stories that we can consider a bit more mainstream, helping Perseus defeat Medusa and convincing Calypso to free Odysseus and his men. He also regularly appears in Aesop's fables. One of my favorite stories is the reason why Aesop believes that all craftsmen are liars and why cobblers were the worst of them. Zeus ordered Hermes to instill a dose of deceit in every craftsman, and so Hermes took a pestle and mortar and began to grind the drug of deceitfulness into a fine powder. He then applied it equally to all craftsmen, except for one. The last craftsman was the cobbler, and there was a large amount of powder left. And so Hermes took the remaining content of the mortar and poured it onto the cobbler, making him the most dishonest craftsman. There are so many stories that feature Hermes that just like his many children and lovers, if I sat here trying to explain them all to you, I'd be here all day. However, in terms of his fellow Olympians, he would often challenge them to the Greek games, as well as regularly playing tricks on them, stealing Artemis' arrows, Aphrodite's girdle, and on occasion even taking the trident of Poseidon. There aren't too many deities brave enough to risk angering Poseidon, but Hermes was clearly one of them. Personally, I really like Hermes, and not just because he's basically the god of everything, but because the trickster is an archetype you don't really see much in Greek myth, and Hermes is definitely not your ordinary trickster. Despite all of his responsibilities, he still somehow finds time to show his more fun side, playing tricks on the gods while never neglecting his own duties, helping countless others, and fighting numerous battles. I do also find it extremely funny that he was conceived and born within a day, and the first thing he did as a newborn baby was steal his brother's cattle. So, the story of Hermes, the legend of Hermes, was that he created deception into a fine powder and distributed it amongst all, giving it the most to those that make shoes or leather goods in general, uh, making them the most deceptive of all. This is all symbolic because, as I've said before, in the past, people could only muster to convey things that they could make sense of for the time. 
like I've said many times before, if the Egyptians were by a lake, their God wouldn't have been a river God. It would have been a lake God. It's all about the ability to perceive. In ancient Greek tragedies, the chorus always says, an of machine God came from the sky and caused chaos. You can see it in every tragedy from Antigone to Akavi to everything. The chorus says that spelled out. And then you think, what do they mean by of machine God that came down and caused chaos? Yet these literal translations and interpretations get lost throughout time. So with your ears and eyes of today, you understand what is being said of Hermes as something completely different, considering that his messages were always done through that staff, which represents your biological programming. Hermes very clearly cares about his fellow gods and his family, helping them out whenever he can, but he also never really backs down when it comes to helping humanity, regardless of the consequence from his fellow gods or goddesses. I guess what makes Hermes such a likeable and respected figure is the fact that he just does everything, and whatever he chooses to do, he happens to be extremely good at. He has all of the positive aspects and likeable characteristics you'd want or expect from a god, without much of the negative. The phrase jack of all trades and master of none comes to mind, but Hermes is literally a jack of all trades and a master of all. So let me know what you think about Hermes in the comments below. Did you know the sheer amount of things that Hermes was a patron of? Are there any stories involving Hermes that you particularly enjoy? And are there any aspects of Hermes that you would consider negative? Let me know in the comments below. So those few words that he just said is that he was the master of everything. He knew everything. He did everything. He helped Zeus beat the ultimate beast against humanity. And one weak point that Hermes had was humans. Now let's talk about the Hermetic. My cat is driving me insane. I just picked him up this morning. He just won't shut up today. Um, so I want you guys to listen to the seven Hermetic, very key words, principles. And it is the foundations of all reality. Because now you're going to understand just how everything has been hijacked. And you'll see it. And this is why it was very important to point out there are so many people that are on the wrong side and continue to be on the wrong side because they cannot humble themselves to the people. Instead, they want to obfuscate and confuse you as to not being able to ever see truth. And, and I'll show you how. My decaying head. These words of wisdom, although written by my decaying hand, shall remain imperishable through time. May they be imbued with the medicine of immortality. A few miles west of the Nile, and just below the tip of its delta, lies Saqqara. The necropolis of ancient Memphis, center of Lower Egypt from the days of the pharaohs through to the time of Egypt's Roman conquerors. The Ibis, the graceful black and white bird in which the god Thoth showed himself no longer visits the Nile at Memphis, but when the Ptolemies and their Roman successors drank from the holy river, the god's bird still came to its banks in great plenty. Wisdom is eternal, even if people are not. The Kabbalion, while only published in 1908, is a manuscript that claims to be the essence of the teachings of Hermes Trismegistus, who, as we've discussed before, is believed to be our old pal Thoth. We should be clear that there are several different texts here worth exploring. 
There's the older Corpus Hermeticum, which is a huge ancient body of work in itself, along with the Emerald Tablets of Thoth the Atlantean and the Emerald Tablet of Hermes. But these writings do not actually make any specific references to the laws and principles that we're exploring today. And so we have the Kabbalion, which is supposedly based upon ancient Hermeticism and is argued to be an elaboration of an ancient, unpublished Hermetic text of the same name, one which humanity has not yet actually found. While it's healthy to approach it with some skepticism, the profound wisdom of this allegedly. text needs to be taught and explained. Has not been found allegedly. The Hermetica speaks very highly of cosmic laws, critical to be understood in order for our own liberation and transcendence. And that's why we've created the 2021 Almanac of the New Age. If you're interested in connecting with the celestial and personal cycles in order to start the new year off with an exceptionally high vibration. Okay, so I don't endorse that book, okay? I haven't read that book. I, I didn't know that they put in a shameless plug in the middle, but let's keep going. <laughs> Check out this book. You'll find links in the description. And with that, let's now dive into the Hermetic Principles. The Kabbalion was written by unknown authors, known simply as the Three Initiates. But the most common theory is that it was authored by a man named William Walker Atkinson and some others, who was a famous American occultist and pioneer of the New Thought movement. In the first couple of pages, it says that it will only appear to you when the time is appropriate and you're ready for its wisdom. So I guess that means we're ready for it in mass, huh? Because there's more than a few videos and articles talking about it now. For the most part, it discusses the structure of the spiritual world and outlines the three great planes of existence, the physical plane, the mental plane, and the spiritual plane, all of which are broken down into several lesser planes, which are kind of like astral black keys like the ones on a piano, each having their own vibration and frequency and are inhabited by different kinds of spirits and entities. Another aspect of the wisdom is found in its teachings of alchemy. It discusses aspects of spiritual and mental transmutation and how you can alter your vibration or frequency to move into these higher realms, interact with spiritual entities, and attain the wisdom of Hermes himself. The subject that has made the Kabbalion a legendary book is its discussion of the seven Hermetic principles, which are like the laws that govern the universe according to the Western mystery tradition, the foundation of many schools of esoteric thought today. Much like how physicists observe the universe, to the Hermetic mystics, they believed that the universe runs on natural laws. Apples fall, birds fly, things live and die. But when we take time to understand these laws, we can use them, and in some cases even leverage them, to transform life as we know it. Perhaps one day we can push against gravity to fly, or simply use the knowledge that one day we might die to live better lives. As it's described, whenever this wisdom resurfaces in culture, it acts as a catalyst for a creative renaissance, revolutions, and cultural regeneration. These seven laws were some of the most influential systems of thought to the Renaissance and medieval philosophers, which even today can expand horizons, broaden possibilities, and aid one in the pursuit of a fuller, happier, more meaningful, and longer life. And so, as we go through these principles, remember that they were potentially first thought of thousands of years ago, despite only being codified recently in history before any modern science verified their unusually accurate and esoteric claims. So, as we have said before, it's kind of like this guy who was, um, who was on Twitter and he said something, he was 
pushing and thumping his Bible. And I quoted something. He's like, well, that's Old Testament. I was like, I didn't know that the word of God gets upgrades. Okay. I didn't know that we can edit things. I didn't know that we can delete things and change them because we feel like it. So remember the origin of this, right? Because again, dilution, eyes, perspectives, time, and manipulation alter things. There are many things that are very factual in their core that stem from these little green rocks, these <laughs> green tablets that I've had the pleasure of um, assisting. I think that was one of my only tasks that I had done under the purview of a very specific agency when I was younger. And when I say younger, that was before I finished high school. So linguistics is based in mathematics and perception and uh, understanding context of the message. This is why you can't use things like mach machine uh, translations. If you go to Google Translate and you put in things to translate, they don't come out right because the context isn't there. When you're speaking legal, there's different type of tone and words you will use. When in medical, different. Slang, different. From the North, different. From the South, different. It's all different. Those nuances get lost when people do not understand context. So think from back, you don't know when because history isn't on the timeline they tell you. These stem from the original tablet that everyone seems to agree came from this one guy that was the messenger of code that had a very soft spot for humans. So, and, you know, obviously loving humanity. This is the story. These are stories. These aren't religions. You know, when people say they believe in the gods or anything like that or occultist type things, these are stories. This is history, but it's his story in ways that other people say. So I, I, I want to reinforce that. History is not what they tell you. Never take something the way it is. I mean, they're trying to convince you that for thousands of years, people were playing with rocks and, and, and sticks. And then suddenly everyone woke up in the late 1800s. And now we're, we have video calling in less than a hundred years. We've advanced so far. So what, what happened? What happened between those thousands of years and what? Just one person will go, did we all wake up? A hundred years ago. That's the question you should be asking yourself. The Kabbalion even devotes a chapter to each principle and goes into what it's really all about. And we especially recommend going deeper by reading this book if you haven't already. It's a favorite of ours. Principle, principle one, one mentalism. mentalism. Much like in the Corpus Hermeticum, this axiom embodies the idea that all is mind, something today we know as idealism. Basically, Everything that happens is a result of a mental state which precedes it. For anything to exist, thoughts had to form first, which then form physical reality or manifestation. But it goes even deeper than manifestation though, for the principle of mind is rooted in the idea of the God mind, that the universe itself is the mind of God, or going even bigger, that the universe is a thought in the mind of God. 
that all phenomena of life, matter and energy of the material universe are thoughts of an infinite and universal living mind, which means all things share a connection to the fact that they exist within the mind of God or the all. Perhaps this could take the form of a field, as is thought of consciousness. In other words, when you view everything you think and therefore do as an interaction of a thought with another thought, you develop an understanding of the first principle of mentalism, which allows you to grasp the laws of the mental universe. This law ultimately says that it is our consciousness that allows us to interact with reality. Principle, principle two, two, correspondence. This truth discusses the idea that there is always a correspondence and link between the events in the various planes of existence. In fact, this law is where we explore the legendary phrase, as above, so below, to much greater depths. In a nutshell, if something is happening on a physical level, chances are there is a relationship to a like energy on a higher frequency too. And if something occurs solely in the physical, if that's even possible, it will have an effect on the other planes of existence. By observing the principle of correspondence, we can come to know the whole of the universe by exploring the relationship between the higher and lower nature of things and learn that harmony exists only when we have a good balance between all of the dimensions of our being. Principle three, vibration. In short, nothing rests. Everything in existence is in a constant state of motion and vibration. Even things that appear motionless and still, like a rock on the ground, is still moving at a molecular and atomic level and beyond. To quote Walter Russell, in the wave lies the secrets of creation. Asian, Asian. It explains that the distinction between manifestations of matter, energy, mind, and spirit are all just the result of different vibrational frequencies. The higher a person or thing is on the scale, the higher the rate of vibration. In fact, spiritual alchemy in the Kabbalion is described simply as the practical application of this principle. To change one's mental state is to change vibration. You can sometimes do this by an effort of will, by deliberately fixing the attention upon a more desirable state. Ultimately, even thoughts have their own rate of vibration and can be controlled like tuning an instrument to produce various results of self and environmental mastery. As your understanding of vibration, frequency, harmony, and resonance gets better, so too shall your power over yourself grow. Principle, principle four, four, polarity. Following in our last principle, this one says that everything has an opposite. While this might seem out of the ordinary for a spiritual text that talks about unity and one mind, this one refers to how the unity manifests through creation. The whole thing is like Newton's first law of motion, that everything has an equal and opposite action and reaction. All manifested things have two sides, two aspects, or two poles. Opposites are identical in nature, yet different in degree. Extremes meet, and all paradoxes can be reconciled. An obvious example is a hot and cold tap both waters being aspects of temperature, varying only in degree. There is no clear crossover moment when hot stops being hot and starts being cold, and vice versa, with no absolutes on either end too, especially since the quality of hot and cold are relative to your own perception. If it's cold outside, jump in a freezing lake for a few minutes and get colder than the average temperature outside, suddenly that cold air is actually kind of feeling pretty warm to you. This one is quite important, since it suggests that we can change the polarity of a degree of emotion by recognizing it as a spectrum and choosing the degree which best suits our needs. Principle, principle five, rhythm. rhythm. This one builds upon both the principles of vibration and polarity, as it states that everything is manifested as a measured motion, to and from, outflow and inflow, a swing backwards and a swing forwards, just like a pendulum. This law also reminds us that there is a rhythm between every pair of opposites or poles. Learning from this principle allows us to transition from one pole to the other, 
and not necessarily need to go to poles of extreme opposites. It also arguably controls the cycle of life and death, creation and destruction, rise and fall, and of course, manifests in our mental states. Know that things you lose will come back, and that things you own now will also one day disappear. Principle, Principle six, 6. Causation. Again, we find ourselves overlapping with previous laws, and it makes sense that they'd fit together. This principle states that there is a cause for every effect, and an effect for every cause. It also argues that there's no such thing as chance or coincidence, that it's merely a term indicating already existing causes that we can't recognize or perceive. The empowering use of this principle is to make the conscious choice to rise above the plane of thought you're currently on and become your own cause, and not just an effect of others and the situations you find yourself in. In other words, strive to act rather than react, or be mindfully responsive at best. If you want to be good at something, you need to practice it every day, as opposed to resigning yourself to merely reacting to the consequences of not having done any self-work and then experiencing the problems that inevitably arise when you're not pursuing your highest calling. Principle, principle seven, seven, gender. This principle explains how gender is manifested in everything, but this doesn't necessarily relate to sexual gender or how you identify yourself. It's more about the masculine and feminine energies that lead to creation and procreation in the universe. And if you haven't seen our episode on masculine and feminine energies in general, you can always check that video out right after this one. It doesn't refer to someone's physical sex, nor does it suggest that someone of a certain sex necessarily has a matching mental gender. In actuality, ideally, you would want to have a balanced mental gender, embodying both the sacred masculine and divine feminine. Gender and these two polarities of energy exist on all planes of existence and represents different aspects on different planes. Everything and everyone contains these two elements or principles. The Kabbalion explains that the Divine Feminine is more receptive, facilitating new thoughts, concepts, and ideas, including the work of the imagination. The Sacred Masculine, on the other hand, works more by giving out or expressing, and rules over the will of an individual and helps put things into action. It is said that there must be a balance in these two forces. Without the Feminine, the Masculine will act without restraint, order, or reason, resulting in chaos. The feminine alone, on the other hand, will constantly reflect and fail to actually do anything, resulting in stagnation. With both the masculine and feminine working in conjunction, there is thoughtful action that breeds success, which tells us that both the feminine and the masculine fulfill each other. Ultimately, choosing the middle path between these extremes is the key to using all seven hermetic principles to full effect and achieving lasting self-mastery without straying too far from the path. At the same time, though, we must remember that these are only principles. By themselves, they're kind of useless. But when you creatively apply them in your life, you can achieve any endeavor you dedicate yourself to and have your own personal renaissance. The best way to understand them is by experiencing them for yourself. And so with that, thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to try and apply the wisdom of these teachings in your life, mostly by asking questions like, have I ever experienced mind over matter? Have I ever attracted something into my life repeatedly by obsessing over it? Or have I ever dipped my fingers in water so hot that it shocked my nerves and felt cold at first? All of these kinds of questions can be answered with the her All right. So the point of this was to show you that his story is being told over and over and over again with different perspectives, different eyes. And again, there we go with seven right? How odd. But I can tell you from that green rock, the basic statement was, you must remove yourself from the situation 
and find the balance. I've said this many, many times before. If you don't have pain, if you don't have disease, if you don't have a struggle, then you can't appreciate not having disease, not having struggles, not having pain. In a world that was, according to ancient Greeks, created uh, by the two brothers, Prometheus and Epimetheus, and this is why Pandora unleashed everything, was that Prometheus and Epimetheus created man. Man simply existed, and they were bored. All they did was able to do things and manipulate genetics and create to half men, half horses, and they just had no end goal because there was nothing to fear. They lived long. They were able to um, dominate everything. And in the end, all they did was kind of clash. So it's really important to understand that about yourself. And the reason is because what we are undergoing, and it's something I said last year, said it before, but last year I said, remember this word, that this whole disease is an infodemic. And so what I've seen is many videos now being put out by alleged whistleblowers. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's people that you follow that think have been called out as being complete patriots, but now they're pushing people that are talking about human emotion, algorithms, bullshit. Patrick Berge invented that software. Patrick Berge created that software. Yet someone else is going to come out and tell you about it better than them. This is the reason they're doing this. And this is why they refused. They refuse to eat some humble pie and speak of this. Because even though they think they are protecting themselves, like other journalists say, well, I don't trust you. You work with Brennan. It's like, it doesn't matter what you think of me, right? What matters is the facts. And they refuse to simply talk to Say my name, say my name. No one will do it. They won't even say Bergie's name. Why? Because then you'll understand how to recognize truth. You understand they don't want you to have the power to recognize truth. That is the problem. And everyone, all of you that are so strict by the Bible, anything that was said about those seven principles is in there. Ask and you shall receive. You have the kingdom of God within you. He tells you it. His story said over and over again. And so the problem here is, is that they refuse to take the message over the messenger. And that's the problem. We have been conditioned to bow down to titles and tiaras. And it doesn't matter. Mitt Romney, let me, I put out a bombshell article. I don't know if you guys saw it, but we're going to go over it after the break. He thought that if he can take over their operation and put it in the hands of good people, whoever he thought was good, then so be it. We win. No, 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 no. 
No one deserves to have the keys to the kingdom aside from the people. The people should be able to have the ability to recognize truth. You are not able to recognize truth because they're ignoring the actual truth. And then when they find people that they think are more credible or that are not people calling them out, then they'll push it to you. And this causes harm to the people. This is why I've been saying whatever we've been doing, whatever I've been doing will be completely forgotten. I will never be mentioned in the future. It will be people that they want because the problem with humans is that they want utter control. And then they bitch when, you know, huh, there goes that trumpet. You're fucked, right? Pretty much because you don't learn. You don't decide to say, I need to put my head down and realize that I am causing more harm than good. Oh, it doesn't matter. This guy, you know, he seems more, yeah, we're just going to go with this strange person that did TikTok. And he knows what he's talking about, right? Aside from the people that have put their names and faces on there and are being trashed and we're ignoring them. Because the problem that, that, that they're causing is that people will no longer be able to recognize the truth. That is their goal. This infodemic is not just about confusing you. And today is the day that's, that Satan's horns are up. And guess what? It's Mercury's time. And now all you will have is confusion and chaos. It's the day of deception and it begins now. The energy is here and it's deception. And deception strangles truth. And all those out there giving you deception, promoting those that are telling you the truth, but it's not their truth. They're being told to give you the truth. They are priming them and grooming them to tell you the truth. Means what? That in the future, you won't be able to recognize when truth really is there. You will be so confused and so lost you will have no idea if you're going or coming. Listen to this truth nugget. It's one minute. This is Yasser Arafat in his olive branch speech. Listen to it. PLO leader Yasser Arafat decided to pursue the path of diplomacy. He said, do not let the olive branch fall from my hand. In November 1974, Yasser Arafat received a standing ovation at the General Assembly of the United Nations. He had spoken of a peaceful solution to Palestinian demands for a homeland. For the guerrilla leader, standing among statesmen, it was a crowning achievement. But you were told he was bad. See, you can't see the truth. Because they control both 
the good and the bad narrative. See, when you want to control the population, you don't just control the negativity and how you're going to sell it. You're going to control the truth. Huh? Because once you control that, you control everything. So when I, someone shared a TikTok that, that Carly Chick was posting where this guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like a little bit dirty right now. And, you know, I, I've been working on an algorithm. Oh, FBI, don't come to my house. It's like, stop. You have Patrick Berge on tap who created that damn thing. Stop. You have me that's a predecessor to most of this stuff because we had algorithms like this from before. Stop. Yet they're trying to control the narrative and look at them. All of them are thumping the same thing. This is what the problem is. They're controlling both sides. They took hold of the message that they want to shove down your throat. And now they've taken the truth and they will dangle it in your face and they will tell you, look at this. And then they will crush in their narrative. That's what they do. And that's what's disgusting. Out of everything, that's what's disgusting. That instead of them eating some humble pie and stating it the way it is, it's just like, what's so bad? If no one is around you, say, baby, I love you. You ain't wanting game. Say my name, say my name. Why not? Is it that much? People love those that understand that they've made a mistake. When they don't, it's because of what? Because they're controlled opposition. Controlled opposition. Controlled opposition. It's disgusting. It is very disgusting. And it's up to the people to put that out. Because they should simply call the truth. Say truth's name. Hey, you acting kind of shady. Ain't calling me baby. Why the sudden change? Say my name, say my name. That's the thing. They won't do it. They're controlling your truth. And it's not your truth. I shouldn't say that. They're controlling the truth. And they want to put those that they say are truth tellers up there. No matter how many times they say, well, we found this. Well, I told you that first. Well, we found this on the election. Well, I told you that first. Actually, I told you over a decade ago. Well, we found this. I already told you that too. But instead, they want to put people of their own up there because they don't want you see that's the problem the problem is is that they do not want you to be able to identify any truth unless they tell you to identify it as truth that's what's disgusting that is what's disgusting it's not about the truth coming out nobody cares who reports it nobody cares but do not give credence to people that don't have and are not the source of the knowledge and identify them as such. I'd rather you just put the story out and not say, oh, this person discovered this or this. No, that's a lie. That is a lie. Don't ever say that. Use the information, but don't skew where the truth is coming from. Because in a month from now, Actually, in four months from now, and it starts today, 
you're going to be told who's I, this, I, that. And it's like, I'm not salty because Bergie's not getting credit or I'm not. I don't really give a shit. What I'm salty about is that you're never going to be able to recognize the truth again. When you hear it, your ears will be deaf because you will wait for the powers that be to tell you, oh yeah, that's true. That's the problem. That is a very, very big problem. And when people endorse people that they know are not righteous, that is a problem. When people say, this is the person that had the solution, huh? That is also a problem because in the future, when you're going to have to have ears and eyes to discern truth, you will not have them. You will not have them. They're controlling who you are allowed to determine truth. That is the problem. It's not anything. I mean, if I was more fussed about, so I don't want people to name me. I would have wanted to just stay in my, in my own space. I'm not a very, um, social person. I'm totally not. I hate the fact that my face is out there. Speaking of my face is out there. So for all those people that think, yeah, I mean, you so bad, right? You know, the attorney general case that I had that the Supreme court told me that I have to serve the state before I can counter sue him. Well, I want to say thank you to a lot of patriots that have actually gotten one little portion of my case. I'll, I'll, I'll look to put the picture up for you guys. A little portion of my case is up and they're going through it and they're just like, this is crazy. The stuff that's in it. And I'm telling you, it's like a stack and they only have like 25%. The attorney general has now decided that he wants to sue me for taking him to the Supreme court. But this isn't lawfare. This is like, he was doing this righteously. Do you have nothing better to do? Like Somali migrants stabbing kids randomly in the street? Do you have nothing better to do than the $180 million you forced as a debt upon the people because you guys colluded with the powers that be under the Obama administration? Do you not have enough on your hands to deal with the cartel situation you have in Mandan. Oh, you thought it was be going to be an open shut case. Damn, Tory fucked that up for you too. That's what they should be dealing with. But again, it's lawfare. It's lawfare, right? It's lawfare. Yeah, he's doing that. It's lawfare, but apparently I'm a bad person. This is why he's coming. That's why the whole state is coming up my behind because it was a real thing. He's wasting taxpayer dollars to retaliate against me. Well, this time, because he did that, there's actually people that are like, you know what? Let's help go through this and maybe we can find, how am I going to find a lawyer that can practice in North Dakota that he doesn't own? There's not one lawyer that he doesn't own. He owns the judges, the judges bank with his bank. Can't even move it to another state either. See, that's what they do. They try to taint truth tellers as much as they can. They threw John here to help in jail. They threw Scott Bennett in jail. They take everyone and throw them in jail, right? They just couldn't find anything to throw me in jail because they were like, damn, what if she releases all of it? Oh, 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 oh. 
So, you know, these are, these are real issues, real issues that are ongoing and it's an attack on truth and your ability to discern truth. I mean, WAPO put out their stuff. Vice actually lied. They even beefed up the number. Wasn't it 25,000 before? And they're like, oh, said it's 35. It's like they can't even read the previous hit piece. It's all lies and obfuscation so that you can't find the truth. You know, I've been talking about all of this for a while the brain pitting, the prions. And it's from before 2020 even where we talked about. (laughs) And it's, and, and it's frustrating because the truth is so important to be out there. So important to be out there, but nobody wants the truth out there. That's the problem because the minute the truth is out there and it's free and it's wild, it's like a lion. It doesn't need a leash. It doesn't need to be tamed. It can't be put in a box and it's not going to be circle jerking in groups where everyone's going to thump it. It's going to be just out there. It simply is. It simply is. Totally simple. Do you know what's funny? I had a thought during my travels. This was a, it was a really long day yesterday. Um, but I had a thought, you know, I was thinking of something that I'm, that I was going to have a conversation with Gavin about. And then I thought, damn, I totally, I think I've mentioned it, but I was part of the aerospace program when I was in the fifth grade in New York. It was actually um, piloted out of a school. I think it was called um, IS, it was in East Elmhurst. And it was where we were all doing pilot school when we were young. Yeah, fifth grade, guys, uh, out at LaGuardia. And I was on the plane, actually. And I remembered sitting, you know, I remembered as I sat there and I had, I was sitting on the wing, you know, and I was like, damn, the flaps are wrong. Why aren't they at 20%? You know, I, I thought, and I was like, oh, wow, I had totally forgotten that I had done that one year, um, aerospace program. (laughs) And I was going to, um, I think I had, I had mentioned that before, but it was in East Elmhurst, New York and Queens where they have that program. Um, it was, um, I think it was called IS 227, the public school, but I was only there for a year before they moved me to the computer science one. Um, and this is the nineties guys. We're talking like 1990. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was like a elementary middle school. Uh, so I, anyway, I, I thought of that. Why? Well, we're going to be seeing a lot of things coming around in uh, the aerospace um, era coming soon. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of aerospace era. And I remembered it from there because what I know is going to happen is that in September or August, there's going to be some mention of uh, an aerospace program by the faux administration that's really going to set things off. So um, I wanted to mention that. I, that was the trail of thought there. And I remembered how that came to um, with the aerospace program that they had said had a, uh, uh, what was it, a 30-year 
program. And it was the first year it was piloted um, to induct people into um, that were at younger ages to understand the basic dynamics of uh, aerospace. And I thought to myself when I was on the plane, wait, that was 90. So 2000, 2010 to 20, that's 30 years. So I guess this is it. Uh, that was actually um, something that Bush had put together, Bush uh, Sr. And uh, put it forward to collect minds uh, from a young age and introduce them to that only to then filter them through. Now, having said that, I was going to have this, uh, I was hoping to do a stereo with Gavin and tell you guys, but um, there were only uh, about 10 to 20, 10 to 15, I would say. No, maybe it was less than 20 kids in that class and all of us were there for the year. You know, what was so weird, I actually like was on the plane just going through Facebook that I could remember. And I saw that 12 of them, join the military at some point in their life. And it's like, what are the odds of recruiting kids from different boroughs in that one pilot class, right, of aerospace that it started? And, um, you know, the majority of them that I could look up actually joined the military as well. That was... I just thought that was really bizarre. I wanted to bring that up. So that was, um, that was pretty interesting. So I'm going to take a break. We're going to watch the new Tom McDonald snowflake video while we shift gears and talk news. Uh, I thought it was more important to give you a little bit of context and to be ready for this push of fake truthers, fake truthers, truthers that you're going to be like, wait a minute. You didn't come up with that. Patrick did. Wait a minute. You didn't say that. Tori did. Well, wait a minute. That's not true. I heard it somewhere else. Why are you saying that you're the father of that truth? It's very important because I wasn't going to talk about it today, but I had to because now I'm seeing the circle jerk of some, you know, people coming out saying that they've done all this and are doing all this. And I'm trying to find that video and I just can't seem to find it. Um, on the chat that someone shared. It was, that's bizarre. I could have sworn it was, um, it was in there. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break, watch the video, and I will be right back with the news, starting with news out of Ohio, because we've been very, very busy here. Now, obviously, I don't tell a lot about what I do, but now you get to see some. If you lie to the government, they'll put you in prison. But when they lie to all of us, it's called being a politician. You think taking guns away will save our kids from the killings? But you're pro-choice. Abortion kills way more children. If America's so terrible and racist, it probably isn't safe to encourage immigration. Just saying, all the contradictions are embarrassing. You know who hates America the most? Americans. Trigger warnings used to be on TV for seizures. And now they're everywhere to protect millennials' feelings. He, she, his, him, hers, them, they. Screw a pronoun. Cause everyone's a retard these days. We're here preaching at the protest that hatred's the problem. But hating straight men, white folks, and Christians is common. Coca-Cola telling people they should be less white. They preach intolerance, but if you disagree, they fight. There's a race war here. Elections based on fear. Black lives only matter once every four years. Soldiers died for this country and every one of us benefits. Give welfare to the 
bombs and forget about the veterans. Black folks and white folks divided by the news. But we are all the same. We are red, white, and blue. Ashamed to be American? Okay, that's cool. Because honestly, we are all ashamed of you too. Y'all are so fake. Oh no. The forecast said that there'd be snowflakes. Whoa. You can make us see it your way. No way. Gasoline and propane. More flames. Oh no. How badass is Tom McDonald, right? Like, that was really, those bars were just incredible. The lyrics were incredible. Now, let's go to Ohio and how busy we've all been. <laughs> Here we go. I don't know if you guys missed this one, but this is quite fascinating. Aggregation of power in a few hands. Every one of these poll questions go back to that central idea, who's in control and how much control do they have? Welcome back to Wake yeah. Up America. You were just listening to our next guest who is filing an anti-competition lawsuit against Google, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost. Dave, welcome to Wake Up America. Good morning. Thank you for having me. No, we appreciate you coming on. So let's talk about this. You want Google to be declared a public utility in Ohio, which would make it subject to government regulation. So why is this so important to you? Well, Google favors itself by using its dominance in the marketplace to try to promote its other lines of business. Um, so it dominates in search and it tries to use that to promote its YouTube business, its Google Flights business and on and on. And I know you discussed this further in your lawsuit. We, uh, we actually have a bit of that clipped out, I believe. It states Google intentionally disadvantages competitors by featuring Google 36 other attorneys general to sue Google. So do you think this will start, say you win your lawsuit, will this start a domino effect with other tech giants? You know, that's an interesting question. And we're kind of at the cutting edge of the development of the law here. So uh, I, I'm hesitant to make predictions. But look, we're not trying to regulate Google. We're trying to say that because of what it is, this unregulated public utility, that it has certain legal duties under the law in Ohio. Um, once we get this the court to declare them a public utility, then they have a duty to provide equal access, to uh, act in the public interest, to uh, fair dealing. And um, they say that their slogan is do the right thing. Well, mm -hmm. Ohio law tells you when you're a public utility what the right thing is to do. And uh, so we're hoping that, uh, that this is going to not bring the heavy hand of government down, but to recognize that they've got gotten so big that they've got a legal duty to all the rest of us that they have to live up to. Now, Mr. Attorney General, it's not just Google. Facebook was slapped with a lawsuit by the Federal Trade Commission, the former U.S. Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division, asking this question. Let's take a listen. The question is, are these platforms, are these technology platforms utilities to convey information between you and me? Or are they publishers with the same editorial standards as CBS, uh, you know, Wall Street Journal and uh, NBC? So I want to ask you, what do you see as the danger of corporations controlling what you can and can't say or what you can and can't do online? Well, it's a significant challenge, uh, and the current law is not really up to it in a lot of areas. Um, look, these 
these, uh, like the robber barons uh, in the industrial age, they gained a huge amount of power and were able to uh, have the size and scope of a government. Some of these tech giants have gotten so large that they can uh, do what the government could not do, uh, which is to control what you're allowed to see uh, and hear and know about. Um, now, whether they've exercised that power is a debate that we're having in America and how they're ex exercising that power. But I don't think anybody rec anybody would really argue that they don't have it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's I think we need to recognize that when a, a company becomes as powerful as a government, uh, it's time to be asking some serious questions about our freedom. And let me ask you, lastly, you talk about control, which a lot of people focus on. Also, censorship, as they call it. Another criticism that these social media giants are facing is censoring voices perhaps they don't agree with. A big example, former president. Remember, I told you that I'm going after YouTube, right? Which is what? That's right. President Donald Trump. But do you think these business practices, the political ideas of these companies, they're intertwined, let's say, and they're censoring because it's good for business? Or what do you think the motive is here? Um, no, uh, they are imposing their political views on their business decisions. Um, I mean, upsetting half of your customers is not good business in any business. Uh, and it's clear that what they're, they've got a set of values, which they're allowed to have. This is America. They're allowed to be liberal or progressive or whatever they want. The, the challenge comes when they use their power uh, to affect the rest of us. Yeah, never seems like a good business decision to alienate half your customers. All right, Attorney General Dave Yost, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Hey, I'm Rob Finnerty. Thanks for watching. And this is why I must stay in Ohio. So it was very important that you guys see that in the 36 states jumped on it. But I've mentioned this before when people make the argument that they're publishers. Google isn't a publisher. It's a public utility. You use it to facilitate a lot of things. And they've dominated the space of cyberspace. And this is why over four or four years ago, I finally publicized my Internet Bill of Rights. Um, and this is why, you know, sometimes you have to make concessions to say, well, you need to do this and I'll slow down the wheels of this. So this is very important. This is something that I, I wanted to, you know, go after YouTube for um labor laws, actually. Uh, but uh, the firm that was uh, looking into that was like, mm, it's kind of, we don't know. So, so while I was waiting for that to come in, I worked uh, my, uh, my ability to talk to those that represent me in my new state. And that's important. You know, I've said it before, it's information warfare. I've been saying this all these years, information warfare, and it's not info wars. That's why they're called info wars, because they're actually in the war against your ability to have access to that information. It's not about silencing people. It's about, and just like, the, and I'm glad Yost remember that, it's not about silencing people. It's about not letting you see any information you want. That's the point. Gatekeepers. This is what you're allowed to see. You can't see that. This is what you can talk about because that's the only thing you're allowed to. And I'm really glad that Dave remembered that out of everything. It's not about censoring. It's not about censoring. It's about 
not allowing you to have access to information. The infodemic is real. Infodemic is real. They are telling you who to trust. They are now taking real truthers, giving real information and giving them to others and saying, look over here. Here's your truth person. Don't look over there. Over here. They're going to say the same exact thing. How many of you are seeing everything that we talked about almost over a year ago happening right now? It's like a Tory Says show only in little bits and bobs. Why? Because you're supposed to trust them and not me. How many of you are seeing what Bergie's been saying in little bits and pieces? Trust them, not him. That's the point. They don't want you to see the truth and where it comes from. The sources and methods. Sources and methods. If you can identify the source of truth, if your ears and eyes are able to discern that, you're screwed. I mean, everyone talks about, look, this is proof, proof. Well, I've got damning proof. And yet people still refuse. They just refuse. Hey, if no one is around you, say, baby, I love you. If you ain't running game, say my name, say my name. Because what they're doing is running game. That's basically it. Hence why I keep playing that. They're running game on you. Okay? Eric Schmidt. I told you he funded CrowdStrike. There's an article on there from years ago on my website. No. Don't listen to her. Listen to us. You're not supposed to see the truth from whoever tells you the truth. You need to see it from me. That's it. But you can manufacture truth just as you can manufacture a lie, too. I mean... You know, this week was interesting because um, I had many, many meetings. Some of them I had to ditch the people I was with, too, um, to go to. And, you know, I said, I I know what the plan is. (laughs) In their drops, they know that Biden is being impeached. They're removing them. And here's where you can see who they're sliding in. The ultimate control. The only one that can take it home. The one that they will bank on. Guys, tell me that you didn't see it coming. Tell me that you didn't see it coming because this is how it gets real hot now. Tell me that you didn't see it coming. Listen to this. Let me thank uh, Shalanda Young, the acting director of OMB for being with us. And uh, let me thank Senator Graham for his help as ranking member. A federal budget speaks to who we are as a nation and where we want to be in the future. And I think, as everybody knows, this last year has been one of the worst years in our lifetimes for our country and, in fact, for the world. Uh, in the United States, we have endured the worst public health crisis at 100. We are seeing every day. We are determining whether or not we are going to have an economy that works for all of us or just the very wealthiest people in this country. And in my view, the budget that President Biden has submitted to Congress constitutes a significant, significant step forward for the working families in this country. Now, all of us are just the very wealthiest people in this country. And in my view, the budget that President Biden has submitted to Congress that works for all of us or just the very wealthiest people in this country. And in my view, the budget that President Biden has submitted to Congress. And there you go. Biden and him have created an alliance. That's how it starts.
Let's get the Bernie bros on board. Don't tell me you didn't see it coming. Don't tell me you didn't see it coming. Because it was there. And I was like, you're going to see it happen right now. In your face. Right in front of you. And I said it. And two days later, there it is on CNN. Bernie Sanders and Biden work together. He's head of this. He's head of that. Oh, yeah. You didn't see it? I saw it. Of course you saw it. It has to be. Well, no, Tori, that's not how it's going to go. Really? Then explain these new ads. Please explain these new ads to me. Here we go. Here we go. Remember, he got that little eye thing, too. Presidents have talked about the need to guarantee health care for all. I've repeatedly asked the Congress to pass a health program. We are behind every country pretty nearly in Europe in this matter of medical care for our citizens. Health care is not just a privilege, but a right for every single American. Now is the time to take on the greed of the health care industry and finally pass Medicare for all. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. Oh, so he has a bunch of ads going out now, but it's, <laughs> Tori, you're talking so much crap. Am I, though? He's got a crap ton of ads. Tons of them. Tons of them. Tons. Here's another one. How you're going to transform. Take a walk around you. Hold on, hold on. Let me share it. Because you need to see this. You need to understand it. You need to see how they're coming. They're slotting him in. Watch and learn. Take a look around you and find someone you don't know. Maybe somebody who doesn't look kind of like you. Are you willing to fight for that person as much as you're willing to fight for yourself? If you and millions of us are prepared to do that, not only will we win this election, but together we will transform this country. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. Why are all these 2020 ads now coming out for Bernie suddenly being recycled as brand new ads? You have to think. Why is it that it's happening now? And even things like, uh, where is it? Oh, gosh darn it. Where'd it go? I have it. I know I have it. Give me a second. I will find it for you. There it is. I want to share something with you. Give me a second. I want to share something with you because this is where you can see it. And I told them, no, they're getting rid of him. And it starts on the 10th. And we need to get ahead of it. Take a listen to this. Vice President Kamala Harris back in the United States this morning after a trip to Guatemala and Mexico, her first foreign trip as vice president. This morning, we're told that some of what she said on the trip, her answers to questions, maybe even obvious questions, those answers have White House insiders perplexed. Perplexed. Are you guys happy at what we got done in Guatemala, right? Trump won. How many times did we say in the past six months, drop a banner, Hold up a sign, get a cart, get a truck, get those billboards going. Trump won. Trump won. And there was a Trump won message greeting Kamala Harris as she got there. 
But no, like I said, whatever we've done as a collective people, you will continue on and I will be forgotten. I want you to be able to identify the truth so that you can push it forward later. Because this is the problem. It's not about finding the truth. It's about finding the source of the truth. Because when you understand how to identify the source of truth, no evil can blind you again. Because right now they're giving you rose-colored glasses. It's like a version of they live, but instead of giving you glasses to see it clearly, right? They're giving you glasses to see it their way. Even though it's kind of true and they're giving you truth, it's their glasses. I'm telling you, you need to be able to identify the source of truth. Opportunities like this with so many of us out there. It's only one that's come out with their name. Everyone else still hidden under aliases. It's showing you sides of this reality that you shouldn't see. But that's the only way that you'll be able to see the truth. You need to be able to recognize it yourself. Here's some more truth of how they're going to start censoring things. What? They would never say that on public TV. Here you go. Here you go. Take a listen. Your briefings where you seem so comfortable. Then there's times where you seem frustrated by the lines of questioning. So I want to know what the job is like versus what you expected it to be like. Well, I'm a human being. So even though uh, every day I try to be completely even keeled and always my objective per the president's direction is to pre treat people with respect and take questions and provide accurate information. That's my goal every day. But I'm also a human. Uh, and sometimes when you're answering the question, the same, the same question a 10th time or when a question uh, more, more likely the things that get under my skin or when a question, the premise of a question is based in uh, inaccurate information, misleading information. Uh, that can be frustrating. I, I try not to show it too much, try not to let people see me sweat too much, but occasionally I have a moment of humanity. Well, so those questions that are based on falsehoods, they come from brands like Newsmax, which uh, you know, it does sometimes get called on in the briefing room. I know a lot of liberals don't want Fox News to get called on. I uh, so they're targeting Emerald. How sweet. I think they should be, but I know a lot of liberals, a lot of Emirates don't want it. So why do you call on Fox News and Newsmax? Well, Brian, we know there's a lot of different uh, points of view on this, as you just uh, referenced. But my point of view, and more importantly, the president's point of view, is that uh, the story is not about uh, me or a debate with news outlets. The story is about the plans of the administration and what we're trying to project to the American people. And when he pledged to govern for all Americans, that means talking to a range of outlets, liberal, conservative, uh, people who have different areas of interest. So that's exactly what I try to do every day in the briefing room. He said in his inaugural, we all have a duty to defend the truth and defeat the lies. Yeah. And you know what? Unfortunately, the right wing is destroying the source of truth. That's what sucks. But, you know, Zen, Jen Psaki, Zen Psaki, she likes to um, say that she doesn't want to create propaganda, and this is why she calls on them, even though CNN just blatantly told her you need to not ask them questions. This is what it really looks like, the actual press conferences. Hold on. Wait, we missed that one. There we go. 
Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, I often note I'm going to circle back. I hate to disappoint conservative Twitter, but I am going to circle back on a number of things, as we often do directly. I'll circle back, circle back. I hate to disappoint you. Circle back, circle back. That's an excellent question. Circle back, circle back. I hate to disappoint you, but we will venture to circle back with all of you. Think okay or not? You think? This is such a good question. I have not had the opportunity to dig into that. I'll circle back. It was a massive dump to this day. Everyone tried to figure out where did it come from. I'm not aware of anything, but uh, we'll circle back. As a mom myself, I want to know all the details. I have to circle back. Come on, man. You know what I mean? I will venture to get you an answer on that, and maybe we can talk about it in full circle. I will have to circle back on that one. But uh, we'll, ha- we'll circle back. But I will have to circle back with you. Let me give you a very specific example. I'll circle back. Circle back. I hate to disappoint you. Circle back. Circle back. That's an excellent question. Circle back. Circle back. I hate to disappoint you. But we will venture to circle back. This president knew back in January. Why didn't he tell us? Why did he warn us? There are a number of ways to combat misinformation. One of them is circle back. You told us that Trump was invincible. He was in a prison, right? I don't really have any predictions for you on that. I can circle back. <laughs> um, let me see if I can get more detail for you on that. Circle back. I signed something saying that if I'm wrong, I can go out of prison. Did you? We'll try to get to as many questions as possible. I'll circle back. I don't have anything more for you. And that communication has been lacking. Well, uh, as, as you know, let me give you a very specific example. I'll circle back. Circle back. I hate to disappoint you. Circle back. Circle back. That's an excellent question. Circle back. Circle back. I hate to disappoint you, but we will venture to circle back with all of you. What's up? Yeah. That's all they're going to do. Talk you in circles. Everyone does. You know what I found uh, more interesting is that Michelle Carone said, I signed something that said that I can go to prison if I'm lying. Did you? So did I. So did I. And everything I put my name on is exactly what they're finding out in Arizona right now, in Wisconsin right now, in Michigan right now, in Georgia right now. I put that shit on paper in November with a signature that says I go to prison if I'm wrong. And they're finding that shit out right now. But you know what? That's what's up. Everyone's acting shady. Nobody likes to eat crow. But I did put it on a document. I did put it on a document. Don't forget, there is sources to truth. Truth simply is, and it only comes from truth. Let's circle back to that one. You know, because it was really interesting how, you know, one voice is better than another. Imagine if they treated the tax collector like that. Well, they kind of did, but not really. There's so much that I want to talk to you guys about today. And I have so much work to do today. It's insane. But I want to show you why they're rushing to push all these vaccines, um, which is quite interesting. I don't know if you realized it. Well, aside from money and documenting, and I already told you they were DNA harvesting parties, but you know, Let's circle back to that one, too. Everyone's coming up to it. This is why they're really pushing it, though. 
This morning, it's a race against time, getting Johnson & Johnson's one-shot COVID vaccine into more arms before hundreds of thousands, if not millions of doses, expire. As many as 25,000 doses in West Virginia, 60,000 in Arkansas, and 200,000 doses in Ohio are all set to expire by the end of the month. Members of the COVID task force urging states to work with the FDA to see if they can extend the shot's three-month shelf life. Our first goal and our first... uh, Wait a minute. Are they considering giving us expired vaccines so they don't lose the money because the states purchase them from the farm? (laughs) Listen to that. We want to know if it's okay if we inject people with the sell-by date being off. Opportunity is that every dose that's been ordered by a governor in a state gets used. Nationwide, nearly half of the more than 21 million doses distributed have not yet been administered. The buildup in part a result of slumping demand for J&J's vaccine after the FDA temporarily paused its use during a safety review. Now states are urging the White House to come up with a plan to redistribute excess and aging J&J shots to areas where demand is higher. It's a precious resource across the world, so it would be a pity to see some of it have to go to waste. All eyes on President Biden, who's expected to announce an agreement to buy and ship 500 million doses of Pfizer's vaccine to other countries over the next year. A global solution now more important than ever. So question, why is it that the president of the United States is negotiating sales for a pharmaceutical company unless he has interests in it? I mean, like I said, they should all wear NASCAR outfits with the damn freaking logos so we all know who owns their ass. But I just want you to let that sink in. They're uh, urging everyone to take it because they're going to expire. But they're also working with the FDA to make sure that they can give us expired vaccines more than three months. They keep saying that everyone's been vaccinated, but they've got more than half sitting on the shelf because nobody wants it. And they said they had 21 million doses, of which half are sitting on the shelf. That means only 11 million people. It doesn't sound like half of the population. I'm just saying in, in, in sense of what they're reporting from the alleged states that have them sitting on shelves. Ever, as the Delta variant, first detected in India, is believed to be the most infectious by far and quickly spreading across the UK. You mean, we talked about this in March, about, oh, look at it, it mutated. My favorite flavor came out, the more catchy one. It's causing these one-off rare complications like blood clots and gangrene in some instances. So this is a very dangerous situation. Doctors say the fully vaccinated. Wait, did he say that that the new variant causes blood clots and gangrene from the blood? I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Isn't that a byproduct of vaccinated people? I'm so confused. Is the Delta variant a variant of those that are vaccinated? Vaccinated are protected against the new variant, invigorating the push to inoculate the hesitant and not waste a dose as expiration dates loom. Dr. Fauci has said the FDA is currently carefully reviewing the option of extending the expiration date for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Of course, doing so would give states and the Biden administration more time to figure out exactly what to do with those expiring doses. Savannah? Yeah, you hate to see it go to waste. All right, Miguel, thank you very much.
Hey, thanks. No, thanks. We don't need to watch him. But here's the weirdest part. Fauci's going to go to jail. I said that. Fauci will go to jail. He will go to jail hard. He will go to jail fast. He will go to jail first. On the 5th of March, I said, Anthony Fauci, who I've watched for years, great scientist. Great scientist. But he's a problem. He's a very big problem. Why? President Trump put him up front to take it all. He's going to go down. He is going to go down. Remember, Fauci was against the travel ban President Trump put on China. Right? Remember, Biden and Bernie Sanders didn't want the freaking ban on travel from China. You need to remember that. These people are going to jail. They can't do anything else about it. Anything. They're done. They're toast. They're in trouble. And they're gone. This is what's going to happen. President Trump didn't answer questions. He put him in front and the Hermes scarf wearing lady, right? Scarf lady coming out, you know, putting her out front. Right. And you know what? I did report to you guys about uh, the pharmaceutical. Oh, wait, let me see if I can find it for you. Because that would be more interesting. Isn't it great when uh, you hear it? Because this is what happened. Uh, Oh, it's not coming up. Uh, See the transcription. It can only do so much with language. Okay. Now you need to understand why he really died. This is 2018, November 16th. Listen carefully. Wow. So I didn't know that someone can beat himself to death and rule it as a suicide. Remember, this is the guy that was spearheading the efforts to create affordable medication to reduce the cost of prescription drugs. This is the guy that was advocating to not have EpiPens $600, but to pretty much have them free because, you know, your your life kind of depends on it. This guy was 49 years old. And you know what? I'll tell you what. When I met Best, uh, he asked me, you know, why aren't you selling your tech? And I said, you know what's not fair is that when these big pharmaceutical companies like yours buy technology or patents to medications. They decide if they want to make them public. They decide if you get to live or die. Now that guy was in charge of mitigating what's happening. That guy was found in front of his home by his garage. And apparently he beat himself to death. He beat himself up. And they ruled it a suicide because you could beat yourself up with punches and kicks, right? And commit suicide like that. You should circle back to that one. Okay? He was one of the good guys. Kind of like Timothy Cunningham. One of the good guys. But he was found face down in a river. Hmm. They're going to jail. 
Here's CNN pushing vaccines again. I want you to listen to them. Why are they pushing them? Loss of money. They're telling you why they want you to get vaccinated. Uh, this is, oh, wait, this is about the magnet stuff. Oh, I already talked about that. Everyone seems to be an expert now about that. So I'm going to kind of put it on the table for now because I, I'm really upset because all of this could have been avoided if people actually shared the truth when they should have shared the truth. And instead of eating humble pie and realizing that they were on the wrong side, they refuse to put it out in the mass. Reasons why the numbers are going down in terms of how many people are being vaccine, vaccinated every day is because of vaccine skepticism. Some of it, not all of it, but some of it fe- uh, fed by just completely lunatic conspiracy theories. Take a look at this moment from a doctor, a certified physician, who testified at an Ohio State House Health Committee hearing and, and talked about the COVID vaccine in, in unhinged ways. Take a listen. What is it that's actually being transmitted that's... Love her. Love her. Now, I've been speaking with her people to have her on. It's not time. I need her to continue being amazing. Continue being amazing. I love her. Causing all of these things. Is it a combination of the protein, which now we're finding has a metal... They can put a key on their forehead. It sticks. They can put spoons and forks all over them, and they can stick. All right, I'm just going to do a test right now. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm fully vaccinated. Here's This is a metal pen. Nope, not magnetic. What now, this idiot. doctor used that crazy theory to argue against legislation to allow proof of vaccinations in Ohio, regardless of that legislation. I mean, what do you make of this? I, I'm never going to fully understand this, Jake. I mean, you know, it's it predates this pandemic. And I'm glad that my listeners recognize it. <laughs> How long have I been talking about graphene? How long have I been talking about graphene? Jeez. But it was meant to be this way because he knows best. God is always at the forefront. That th- these types of conspiracy theories. Uh, I mean, you and I have talked about this in the past. I get when people uh, advocate crazy things in order to sell something. She has a book, Just Say No to Vaccines. Maybe that's it. There is no evidence of this, and let's not equivocate. Uh, there is no uh, microchip or tracking device or some sort of other product that's attached to these vaccines. Uh, I, I, you know, it's- Well, when will it be public how they put graphene in your food and drinks to track to see where they should open up their new shop? There are people, there was an experiment with Starbucks where a specific drink was made and it had graphene, which had RFID properties that expired after a while. Um, It was very low grade so that they could see for that day where most of their customers would sequester so they know where to open up a Starbucks. That's fact just it's very it's it's harmful when you look overall at vaccine skepticism but one thing i will tell you is that she is probably preaching to an audience that already sort of believes what she says i don't think she's convincing people that these are harmful to take a look jake overall at just vaccine acceptance in the country i find this data really interesting we've we've been talking about it since the beginning 
Yeah, yeah, no one's listening to her. Look, everyone's accepting the vaccine. Like, shut up. So there's about, you know, now 66% who are absolutely saying, yes, I'll get it. I've already gotten it or I'm in line. Uh, the, the yellow line is that wait and see, that movable middle, which has come down. It was over 40% at one point. So it's below 20% now. But it's that red line that we're talking about here, Jake, with what we just heard from that doctor in Ohio. 7% of people say only if required. 13% that make up that red line say absolutely no way, no how. But but why, though? Some of it is because of exactly people hearing stuff like that. and again- <laughs> Stuff like what? Jake Tapper, such a loser. Yeah, put a metal pen. Put a metal pen up against a magnetized fridge and it won't stick, you loser. It's got plastic properties and everything. But, you know, I digress. Here we go with um, more of this. Let's listen to Rand Paul. Here we go. This is good. Ouchie, as we continue to dissect his emails, his dealings with China, and the origins of the virus. One man who hasn't been afraid to take on Fauci's China virus theatrics is Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. He joins us right now. Senator Paul, thank you for being with us. You know, Senator... Uh, Tony Fauci took to the airwaves after his very embarrassing emails were released. And I think he was trying to do some damage control. But as he often does, he sounded a lot like an apologist for the Chinese Communist Party. Let's have a listen. I mean, obviously, you want openness and cooperation. One of the ways you can get it is don't be accusatory. The idea, I think, is quite far fetched that the Chinese deliberately engineered something so that they could kill themselves as well as other people. It's obviously in China's. Um, yeah, they kill babies after they reach the cap. They're not going to kill dissidents. Shut up. Interest to find out exactly what it is. And the is of the, of the natural theory would be to find that link. So you have to keep looking for it. So, Senator Paul, it seems as though Tony Fauci almost reflexively takes a defensive posture whenever it comes to the Chinese, even trying to get us to believe that it's somehow in the CCP's interest to be forthcoming. Your thoughts about his posturing? You know, I think it's a rather naive notion by uh, Dr. Fauci to think that we can still trust the Chinese. He was asked in a committee hearing by Senator Kennedy last week, do you think we can trust the Chinese? And he said yes. And I think that naivete really should preclude him from being in the decision making because that's a real problem. And so no one's really saying that, oh, the Chinese purposely did this. We're saying that uh, they wouldn't tell us if they had. But we're also saying that the gain of function research that the NIH was funding, that Dr. Fauci supported, that that's a mistake particularly in a communist country where, you know, the idea of free exchange of ideas and that accidents will be reported, um, it's not uncommon for accidents to happen in these labs. But what's very worrisome to us is that Fauci has still to sort of repent for his support. He was a big supporter of this gain-of-function research where you take an animal virus, you force it to evolve or mutate until it can affect humans. I think that's very, very dangerous. We shouldn't be taking a virus that has a 15% mortality and trying to make it more infectious to humans, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. But even in 2012, when Dr. Fauci was asked about this, he says, well, 
Yes, if a scientist in the lab gets one of these viruses, it could cause a pandemic, but the research is worth it. That to, to me such shows such profound lack of, of insight or judgment that he really shouldn't be in government. And so it isn't about him as a person or, you know, it's really about his judgment or lack of judgment that, that we really need better people in government than that. Senator, you recently expressed concern that China is still using U.S. funding essentially to conduct these experiments over there. What should be the strategy of the Biden administration to ensure that uh, not only does this not happen again, but that China is held accountable? Well, we should put an immediate stop to any flow of money going to China or to the Wuhan lab. I introduced an amendment last week that did pass. And this amendment says that no more will be forthcoming. But there's a question of whether or not there's still some flowing. You know, during the President Trump's administration, they did cut it off. And then they apparently came back and have restarted that. This is a lot of money. You know, Fauci says, oh, it's only 600 grand. Well, or maybe it's 3.7 million. But the group that was funneling this received over $100 million over the last several years. So this guy, Peter DeZak, is the head of EcoHealth Alliance. He's the one subcontracting with the Wuhan lab. But then somehow he's in charge of the investigation. He flies to China. The Chinese say nothing to see here. And he organizes this letter behind the scenes. He's saying, now, we don't want everybody to sign it because we want it to look like an independent letter in support of our research. So there's a lot going on here that's devious. There's a lot going on here that's self-interested. And you can't have the people that were giving the money to China investigate whether or not there was a leak at the lab. They have a self-interest in there not being any evidence found because it'll the the culpability boomerangs back to them. You know, Senator, you're so right about these conflicts of interest abounding. I believe uh, let's turn to, toward the home front now regarding how we handle the virus. I think there might be some conflicts of interest as it pertains to the vaccine. And what I mean by that is that Big Pharma has it in its interest to make sure that absolutely everyone takes this vaccine. But you just tweeted out a study from the Cleveland Clinic that shows, and it's an exhaustive, large-scale, scientific, rigorous study, shows that people who have already been infected, that they do indeed have a level of immunity, which is in fact better than getting the vaccine. So do you believe that we, and I I ask you this as a senator and you are a physician, do you believe that we are effectively wasting vaccine on people like you who have already been infected with the virus? Yes, and I think it's costing lives. So for example, in India, more people want the vaccine than can get the vaccine. But India is following Dr. Fauci's advice. His advice is vaccinate everybody. Don't think, don't worry your pretty little head about this. Don't think about it. Just do as you're told. That's his advice. One size fits all, no thinking. Hey, I'm Rob Finnerty. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this video. Huh. So just get the vaccine. Rand Paul was right. And so was I when Rand Paul was running. Uh, you know, I had seen the man in action when I was in school. He was at the Eastern, uh, the University of Eastern Kentucky, great guy. And I'm glad that he's speaking his mind and he's pushing it forward and he's telling the people the truth as much as he can based on the stigma that comes with it. But how's this? What kind of parent puts their child into a vaccine trial? This week, Giancarlo Barrios played a role in history. The 10-year-old was one of the first participants in the pivotal stage of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine trial for kids under 12. I feel good about it. 
to be honest. Children can be big carriers, like big carriers of COVID. And I just think that it would help if we actually figured out a vaccine for children like my age. He got the shot, either the vaccine or placebo, he doesn't know which, at Oxner Health in Louisiana, where his mom works as a research coordinator. The health system is among more than 90 clinical trial sites in four countries, where Pfizer's now enrolling volunteers. The first portion of the study will include kids ages 5 to 11, and in the coming weeks, it'll be open to those as young as age 2 and to 6 months. The doses in these trials are lower than for adults and kids 12 and over. For them, it's 30 micrograms. For children 5 to 11, the dose is one-third of that. For even younger kids, it's one-tenth the adult dose. The trial participants will get two shots, same as grown-ups. Dr. Anthony Fauci said today this is how vaccines are usually tested. When you get down to the younger children, it is not at all unusual to diminish the dose. The doses were chosen based on evidence from earlier studies, according to Pfizer CEO Albert Borla. We have seen, we, we have from data, a strong belief that they will be safe and they will work. Giancarlo's mom, Jewel, acknowledges some parents wouldn't choose to have their kids participate in a trial. If it's a no that's fine too because it's you know it's voluntary you know it may not benefit him directly um it but it may benefit those who come behind him <laughs> sacrificing your kid now Shep, some might wonder how pfizer will prove that the vaccine protects against COVID in these studies as case numbers are declining so much well pfizer tells me the main goal is to show an immune response similar to older people and efficacy can be inferred from there. Shepard Smith here. Thanks for watching CNBC on YouTube. Wow. The Kaepernick jersey, the money they probably made, and they put their kid on the chopping block. Look at me. I'm sacrificing my kid. So should you. Well, hmm. our favorite, favorite lawyer had to weigh in on this, and so he did. Take a listen. Censorship going on. And we've been deprived of information about this co constantly. You know, hydroxychloroquine, total false information. People died. Uh, a company called Zero Tech came out with a report right at the very beginning that this came from the laboratory. Mm -hmm. And it was buried, censored. In fact, a politic politi politi fact, a polit fact, had to uh, put them back up after these revelations that this is a very viable theory. But they were banned for eight months. Nobody could learn about it for eight months. If you went on television and you said it, they'd probably bleep you out or take you off or lose all their sponsors. So that's really affected this. I mean, it's like science developing the way it used to develop in East Berlin or the Soviet Union. Yes. It's politically, this has been from the very beginning, politically directed science to get Trump out of office. In 2001, Dr. Ralph Barrick of the University of North Carolina started working with the bat coronavirus. The coronavirus family has been around since the beginning of time. It circulates in flus, but there's different types of coronavirus. But he was particularly interested in the mouse and bat coronavirus. So he started genetically making a mouse coronavirus. 
And you may ask, why would any scientist want to do that? Why would they want to fool around with nature? And I'm not making a judgment whether it's right or wrong, but it's called gain of function. So gain of function testing, the altruistic reasons scientists do it is they want to get ahead of nature. They want to see what it would take to make a virus infect a human. And if it does infect a human, how bad will it be? And then they can start working on vaccines and preventive uh, measures. So that's one reason why scientists do it. And then you have scientists like in China, Iran, in different countries who do it for bioweapons. So we have Dr. Ralph Barrick here in the United States at the University of North Carolina, who is nicknamed the coronavirus hunter. His counterpart in China, and we talked about it mm-hmm. on your last podcast, was Dr. Shi Zhengli. And she is called the coronavirus Batwoman. <laughs> so she's been working with it since about 2003. So moving along in time, everybody knows about gain of function research. But the CDC came under fire in and around 2014. There was approximately 10 mishaps in United States laboratories, people getting infected, leaks, near misses. They were fooling around with anthrax, with uh, some coronavirus, with MERS, SARS. So the Obama administration put a moratorium after several congressional hearings. But they put a moratorium because uh, they analyzed that the reward was not as uh, great as the risk, absolutely. particularly because many of these experiments failed to, I mean, Two decades of doing gain-of-function hasn't really yielded any So hope. you go with this for 10 years and you don't develop a vaccine, but you've got all these very, very dangerous viruses sitting in a laboratory where it could easily, the slightest little negligence on the part of a worker, and the thing could take out an entire city. You guys should watch the rest of that. See, the lawyer of our nation has been truth speaking. So they want to go after him. I want you guys to see how they lie. Because if you hear the audio, it's the biggest nothing burger ever. There's audio out there of you, Yovanovitch, at the Munich Cyber Conference. While many don't like Christopher Ray, I'm going to tell you, he's going to shine the biggest ray of light there is. And this is why they're removing Biden. But there's more. Exactly. Meaning, meaning meddling in the election. It was the call that set events in motion. Okay, so we should have on the line here America's mayor, uh, Mayor Giuliani, and we have Andre Yermak. Thrusting a reluctant Ukraine into America's divided politics. We already know through transcripts and testimony, Giuliani pressured them to announce investigations important to then President Trump but this is the first time we've heard his actual voice. So it wasn't important to President Trump. It was important to us. Listen carefully. What a big nothing burger this is. I want very much to see that our two countries are able to work together. How Giuliani cajoled the Ukrainian presidential advisor on the other end of the line, first promoting debunked conspiracy theories that Ukraine, not Russia, was involved in U.S. election meddling in 2016 and tried to hurt the Trump campaign. Way back 
more reliable investigator, international investigator, that there was a certain amount of activity in Ukraine during the 2016 election that was that involved Ukrainian officials and Ukrainian mostly officials being asked by our embassy and possibly by other official, American officials. Basically, I mean, they, uh, the, the, the statement was to produce dirt on uh, then candidate Trump and Paul Manafort. By the time of the call in July 2019, Joe Biden had already emerged as the Democratic Party's front runner. No, he wasn't a front runner. He was selected. They had that discussion at the Munich conference in 2019, where they said, Joe, throw your hat in the race. We put you there. They can't dig up your dirt. Go, go, go. Run, run, run. They won't be able to do it. Wait, there's more. To challenge President Trump and digging up dirt on Biden, like the unfounded allegations of corrupt dealings in Ukraine when he was vice president. It wasn't just the Ukraine. We have the receipts. We have the receipts. His son orchestrated to smuggle two Ukrainian officials from our southern border because Mikola was not allowed, according to United Kingdom sources, to enter the United States, even though he had a valid visa on his passport. They had two law firms looking into it. Look at my article. I show you that they orchestrated it from 2014 and the meeting happened successfully on the 16th of April, 2015, because there was a thank you email on the 17th of April saying, thank you for having me meet your dad, period. He smuggled criminals from the southern border. They were orchestrating it. They were pulling as many strings. They communicated with their Mexican sources. Hunter was looking at the people at the border to see where they can smuggle them. Now, I hated hearing this from very well-seasoned attorneys as much as you're going to hate me telling you this, but is it a crime organizing it? Yes. Is it a crime doing it while your dad is vice president? Yes. But who's really going to try it? See, that's the problem. The only people that can make that go crazy is you, the people. Share the shit out of that article. People need to know that he smuggled people into this country. It's not hearsay. And I'll tell you what, yesterday in the morning, I went to Times Square and I tried to stop people and ask them questions. You know, it's like, it was weird. Like who would really walk around with Hunter Biden's laptop? I did. And I asked him, did you know about this? Did you know about that? Want to take a look? I pulled up the email showing that Valerie Jarrett was advising Barack Hussein Obama at the end of October that he won the 2012 elections and how he won them. But he was devastated for crossing Joe Biden. How did he cross him? Money. Made that clear in that article, too. But you don't hear anyone in the media talking about it. This shit is documented. No one's talking about it. You have to ask yourselves why. Become a priority for Trump and his longtime advisor. Throughout the roughly 40-minute call, Giuliani repeatedly pressed the Ukrainian leadership to publicly announce investigations into this, too 
something that would have undoubtedly benefited Trump's re-election campaign and damaged candidate Biden. Listen to how Giuliani sets out what's required. And what we need, all we need from the president is to say, I'm going to put an honest prosecutor in charge. He's going to investigate and dig up the evidence that presently exists. And is there any other evidence about involvement of the 2016 election? And then the Biden thing has to be run out. I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, I, I, I see... I see him bragging about it on television. And to me as a lawyer, to me as a lawyer, it sounds like a bribe. Somebody in Ukraine has got to take that seriously. In the Ukrainian presidential office, they took it very seriously. Then, as now, the country was fighting a desperate war against Russian-backed rebels in its east and heavily depended on U.S. weapons and military aid to hold its ground including millions of dollars that had been frozen by the Trump administration while Giuliani pursued these political investigations. Mindful of the need for a strong relationship with Washington, the Ukrainian presidential advisor on the call tried to assure Giuliani the investigations he wanted would be looked at. And we are ready this day immediately communicated uh, to coordinate uh, to work uh, and investigate everything which you listed. But privately, Ukrainian officials say they were alarmed at being sucked into American politics, especially when Giuliani repeatedly suggested compliance would open the door to closer U.S.-Ukrainian ties, even a presidential meeting, undermining the former U.S. president's assertions that he never sought political favors from Ukraine to secure... Oh, wow. So they're trying to make it sound like Farah, right? Damn, I got your Farah. I got the son of a former vice president working on behalf of who? Nominating people to get hired, pushing forward foreign policies and dealings with stated enemies of our nation for intelligence. Yet, what they're trying to make out here, which the call was a nothing burger, is to claim that he was negotiating. Let's make this clear. American tax dollars paid to fix their elections. American tax dollars have the, NS, the IG of the NSA's wife leading the National Anti-Corruption Bureau of the Ukraine and educating them. So basically, we have NSA operatives. <laughs> the NSA is only supposed to monitor the free flow of information and capturing for others to analyze information, right, in Ukraine. They have been given more free American dollars for doing absolutely nothing. And they want to say that we cut off the aid to force them to come clean. That is disgusting. That's disgusting. Farah is when you're asking or advocating policies on behalf of another nation. He clearly stated, we need you to help us because your nation was responsible for this. They hired you, but you have to look no further than the IG of the NSA.
that the nomination was withdrawn with the good intelligence people around the president at the first few weeks of his administration. And then for some reason, he was pushed through his IG of the NSA without a vote. Just boom. And while his nomination was pulled, he was offered a job by the president of Ukraine. And we made that guy the IG of the NSA. I mean, come on. Come on. Why is he still there? He should be tried for treason. He is the IG of the NSA. He was offered a job. Robert Storch was offered a job by the president of Ukraine in 2017 after his nomination was pulled, but then suddenly it came up again. When does that ever happen that you pull a nomination and then it goes right back? When no one's paying attention because they are busy surrounded by swamp monsters that they believed were there to help the nation. And right now, during these audits, during all this crazy crap going around, we still have clowns trying to run point and become the heroes of a tragedy. You can't be the hero. The only heroes here will be the people of the United States of America when they realize just how much power they yield. And I really wish you guys get to it quicker. I want this message to go through. You are in control. Nobody else's. You are the ones with the power. Nobody else's. And you know what? This is what we've got. This is what we've got. We're being embarrassed across the world. This is what we got. Kamala and Dementia Joe with his wife. That was the one that strong armed the Africans by blackmailing them to let the Chinese. No, no, no. Let's end it with this from the amazing Lara Trump. Have any plans to visit the border I, at some point? You know, I, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance of the border. Never gets old. Did let's let's bring in Laura Trump, uh, Fox News contributor. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning, guys. Good morning. There's a report out this morning that the Biden administration is now concerned after they watched that interview. She had her first international visit and they feel like that interview is overshadowing it, that it has dogged Vice President Harris for the whole trip and stole the spotlight from her. This is a CNN report on Harris's trip. Vice President Kamala Harris endured a rocky first foreign trip since taking office with sources telling CNN her two day swing through Mexico and Guatemala left some administration officials quietly perplexed about what they perceive as her bumpy answers to questions about whether she will go to the U.S. Mexico border. Your thoughts on that? That's CNN. Yeah. Yeah, that's CNN, by the way. Good, good point. I think we're all pretty perplexed. I mean, I, I guess this is what happens when you have a border czar who is closing in on 80 days um, since she has been tasked with addressing this problem, has yet to go to the southern border. 
That interview was an absolute disaster. What an embarrassment. I haven't been to Europe. Are you kidding me? What does that have to do with anything? And we have been to the border. Who? Who has been to the border between Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the two people apparently in charge of the country? It is a ridiculous thing. I I mean, it's hard to believe, guys, that this woman was actually a prosecutor. She had to know she was going to be asked these questions. And then she so nonchalantly kind of tries to brush it off. This is a crisis. We have seen that in a year we have a 674 percent increase in people coming over our southern border. There were one hundred and eighty thousand apprehensions last month alone. Those are the people they caught. Think about all the people that came in. You guys show the videos all the time. People just walking across the southern border with nobody there to stop them. It is ridiculous. Obviously, it is embarrassing for America that this is our vice president. Well, you know, uh, she did go to the border when Donald Trump was president, when she was a senator, to see with her own two eyes how uh, that administration was impacting people. Now, she's actually part of this administration, but she won't go down to the southern border to see with her own two eyes how it's impacting the people. You're talking about those images of people waiting across the Rio Grande. I mean, those people are taking their lives in their hands in some cases to try to get here. And she's not going to go down to understand the root causes at the border. It seems a little off message. Well, it's ridiculous. It's it's insulting um, to America. It's insulting to the people that live uh, on our southern border. It, it, it is ridiculous to assume that these people in the Biden-Harris administration right. are doing anything at all. They are not. In fact, they repealed what Donald Trump and the Trump administration had implemented, the policies they put in that worked. And you heard the president of Guatemala talk about it. He said, the reason this is happening. Yeah, we have that clip. Sarah Carter uh, interviewed the president of Guatemala yesterday. Listen. Vamos a propiciar la reunificación familiar y pasaron los coyotes llevándose a los niños y adolescentes para los Estados Unidos y se llenaron las fronteras, no solo con gente de Guatemala, un montón. Por eso es que le hemos propuesto que los mensajes sean claros. La vicepresidenta ayer mandó un mensaje muy claro y dijo no se vayan porque no los vamos a dejar entrar. Ese es un mensaje claro, pero un mensaje tibio lo único que genera es la posibilidad de que haya malinterpretación. Se pueden decir los mensajes de buena de, de, de buena fe, pero va a haber gente que lo va a malinterpretar. So if you're not clear about your message, I'm sorry for everyone listening on radio. If you're not clear about your message, it is going to be a go sign for his people to come to America. And they have not been clear. It's easy for Republicans to criticize Democrats and vice versa. But when another country's president is telling you his reality, you got to pay attention. Hard to marginalize. Yeah, and when that president is the president of a country whose people are part of of the groups that are coming to our southern border, he is telling you the reason this is happening is because of the policies and because of the messaging from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I mean, I talk about it all the time, guys, but don't forget that they have told people, if you come here, you will be able to stay here. We will grant you amnesty. We will give you free health care. We will allow your, your children to stay What person in their right mind would not see that as a clear signal to come now, come to America now? This is your chance. So then they they tell us, well, wait, but the border's closed. So don't worry about it. 
We're not that stupid. Americans can very clearly see the president of another country can very clearly see. Um, it's a really sad situation. They have to get a handle on this. I don't think they want to go to the southern border, guys, for one reason, because it would draw more attention to the absolute crisis that exists there. You see it, you own it, and they don't want to own it. Her political operatives told her to stay away instead of just leading. She is plotting and planning, and that's bad for the country. Laura, thanks so much. Lara Trump, a woman of great ethos. I really like her. Uh, I wanted to share with you these articles right quick before... I end today's show so you can see them. For those of you that don't read articles, you need to read the articles, not just share the pretty pictures. This one talks about Seth Rich. Well, actually, it gives you some insight on it, but it it gives you some insight on this company. This is very important because Hunter Biden was talking about it. This is your first type of shadow net based off of software that I helped create, which was it's just incredible. That's one. The other one is how the Obama administration talked about how they beat Romney in the elections. Um, This is quite interesting because what this shows you is that he knew. Here's the email dated the 23rd of October, 2012. It was an email, one phrase email to Hunter Biden from Fran, who was in the office of the vice president. My cat will not shut up. Office of the vice president. I even put the header so you can see it, right, where it came from. Uh, she tells him in just a subject line, in just a subject line, uh, VP is in a good place now. So Joe Biden had lost his mind on the 22nd of October. Because he found out he lost a big chunk of a portion of a fund that they have at the Caymans. And that portion of the fund went to Mitt Romney. And this is why Mitt Romney knew he was losing the elections and pretending that he was going to win when it was already predetermined. And I told you. So let me read the email so I can spell out fake elections for you in 2012. October 23rd, 2012. Hunter Biden sends her. So how so did they speak in person? Referring if Joe Biden spoke with Obama in person. And she says, not yet. We will in a little bit. But your dad is in a better place. The president feels terrible as is and is taking action to make it up. He spent hours last night with Axelrod and Valerie Jarrett just talking about how he was. He has to fix this. Call Evan. Tony talked to your dad about his conversations with the president. This is Tony Blinken, by the way. Your dad talked to Tony today and is now in a much better place. The president is so upset that he did this to the VP and promises to make it up. Valerie Jared said that they kept trying to talk to the president about how he beat Romney, but the president kept going back to how bad he feels and how he must fix this right away. He made his BFF cry. Here are all the headers, right? So that you can see that this is a legit email coming from where it is. So nobody can refute it. This is in a conspiracy theory. This is fact. But here's the funny part. In 2011, there was an email. I'm taking you to this company called Tiger that just happened to close down in April of 2021. How weird. It had reported a somewhat amount, but then it turned out to be like $6 billion, right, Obama? That's how much he cashed it out for. So let's discuss. 
he says, as I mentioned, when you first mentioned it, this can be a serious opportunity, not only on its own merits from the economic standpoint, but from the leverage and access it provides with the big boys here in the West who all need China from Tiger to Blackstone to Carlisle. You want to know how they got Romney? They put this guy here. What does that say? Kiev Post. Oh, this guy is Joe Black, right? Joe Black is part of Blackstone. He's also a Brennan lapdog, by the way. He manages Owen's stash of cash. So when they saw that Romney was going under, this is how Obama, you know, managed to take a hold of Romney. There was an article that was put out. Why won't he shut up? He will just not shut up. It was put up, and you can see this now deleted article. It was talking about Goldman Sachs Skybridge among Mitt Romney's hedge fund builders. He had gotten together with a bunch of people that were tired of, with, of the old guard. This is what happened. So this Mormon decided, well, they're ruling the world with all this stolen money. What if we steal the money from them? And then we rule it the right way. Right. So it's kind of like saying, well, they're psyoping everyone. So let's psyop them in a good way, not a bad way. Right. That's what's crazy. So this article went out. You can check the Wayback Machine. It didn't last long. It was deleted. And how? They saw the article and they were like, shit. Because guess what? If you look over here, you're going to see some really weird name. Some funds that are linked to Obama, linked to all of them. Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch, is in there. Right. Yet he was right by President Trump. You just need to see the names that are on there. It'll tell you everything you need to know. So that's what happened. And this is why I've been telling you, you have not been electing any freaking president for 20 years. They have been organizing who wins amongst themselves. Who's the best? Hillary Clinton even blackmailed them when she was like, no, it's my turn. And they were like, no, we're putting up this dude. Okay, we've been grooming this guy. We're putting him up first. And she was pissed. So she ran to get money. Oh, and just so you know, those two funds in the Cayman Islands, right? Well, Hillary Clinton is actually the Clinton Foundation money also goes to the same fund, also managed by the same company that has a shell company posting their um, domicile in the United Kingdom. So weird. So weird. So now let's move on to the next article that's important. Bombshell. Hunter Biden smuggled foreign criminals over the border to meet Joe Biden and possibly Obama. And this one walks you through all of it. All of it. They're planning everything. So we start at May 13, 2014. And here we have Vadim, the one Ukrainian guy, literally, vpozarski.ukraine at Gmail, right? Where he says... To the lawyer that they recently hired, hey, Heather, two points. One, of course, nobody in Burisma ever met vice president of U.S. or someone from his staff. He misspelled it as stuff. Yet, that's 2014, right? We are not sure. We don't have any official information as to whether he is on a visa ban list. He's got a valid U.S. visa in his passport, but recently on his travel from the U.K. to the States, he was advised by customs authorities in the U.K. airport not to proceed to the States with his flight as he will be denied entry. It was a leak to the media, and they interpreted it that way. This is about the Burisma owner. You can look at the articles. That was actually leaked. So then she responds, okay, tell me the exact date the incident happened. 
with the visa happen and which UK airport. Also, tell me why he was coming to the US, the purpose of the visit, et cetera. So the discussions were, we're going to meet with the president and the vice president and his staff. So, you know, we need to get him in. And that's why he mentioned to her, hey, none of us have met with the vice president or any of his staff, which was true. Now, we fast forward this. Remember, that conversation was May 13, 2014. Now I move you to November 13, 2014. And he sends an email to Hunter Biden. Wanted to discuss Burisma board meeting. I have an idea and visa issue and Mexico. The idea is we have a board meeting in Mexico. And I'll tell you why it's a really great idea. Two, BTC update. What's BTC? Oh, I don't know. Something I've been talking about and has been crashing like crazy. Next, BHR. You know, the Baha'i Harvest Company, Uh, Rosemont, Seneca, uh, technology partner issues and other stuff. And oh, no, that was Hunter Biden that sent him. My apologies. Hunter Biden sent that list of emails to Devin Archer. So he had the great idea of having their uh, Burisma or Rosemont Seneca meeting in Mexico. And he'll tell him why. So, again, that's November 2014. Now we move to... Two days after Valentine's Day, the 16th of February. And the Ukrainian says to Hunter Biden and Alex Kotlarsky, Vadim. Uh, Vadim says, dear colleagues, hope you are well. Just to let you know, our sources at the Mexican embassy confirmed to us that if a person has a certain unsettled issues, read the American visa in the past, There's a strong possibility that he or she might have problems at the Mexican border. With this in mind, I feel we should consider the risk for Nikolai going there. Best, Vadim. Uh, Spelling, Vadim, V-A-D-I-M in his email, in his signature, V-A-D-Y-M. Nikolai is Mikolai and Nikola and Mikola. Same thing, different spelling. Next. So that's the 16th of February, 2015. Now, the response... Um, from Devin Archer is Vadim Hunter is still trying to get confirms from our contacts there. If we cannot absolutely clear safe passage, perhaps you can just come. We can't postpone these high level meetings at this point. It's a holiday today in the United States. So we'll know more tomorrow. Best Devin high level meetings that they've planned for over a year with Joe and O. So here we go. And remember, I put out the article that Hunter wined and dined conducting business with cartels in Chihuahua, the Juarez cartel. Maybe they're the ones that helped smuggle them across the board. Because here what happened. So uh, Vadim sends an email to everyone. Gents, hope you are well. This is March 26, 2015. Hope you are well. Could you kindly share with me, for logistic purposes, any ideas you've got re our upcoming meeting in Washington, D.C., i.e. dinner on April 15th, possible additional meetings we could have that could be useful. Maybe just hang out. Maybe meet with Isa. You should look that up. That's an actual entity. Also looking forward to receiving your inputs on the geothermal energy publications. Really appreciate your doing that. See you in Washington. Best, Vadim. I thought they were having a Mexican meeting. Oh, guess they're meeting in Washington only. 
Hunter Biden responds, dinner's on the 16th. Devin can give you the details. Devin with an I when it's with an O, okay? I'm out of pocket for the next few days. Oh, fast forward. 17th of April, the day after the dinner meeting. Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and give an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. It's really a great honor and pleasure. As we spoke yesterday evening, would be great to meet today for a quick coffee. What do you think? I could come to your office somewhere around noon or so before or on my way to airport. Best, Vadim. Oh, like, doesn't sound like a smuggling operation. Doesn't sound like they brought in whatever. Doesn't sound like they were planning it for over a year. But, you know, I digress. I digress. That's what's up, okay? That's what's up. So there's going to be more coming in. Remember, <laughs> you know what? PsyOps, contact tracing, Obama phones, right? What if I told you Hunter orchestrated some of that stuff with Jill Biden? Dr. Jill Biden, whatever her role is. Yeah, that's what's up. That's actually a thing. That actually happened, and you'll see it yourself. So on that note, guys, I'm going to wish you a great evening. I will see you guys tomorrow at 12 noon. Maybe we can do a movie night tonight. I'm hoping because I have a lot of planning to do for things that are upcoming. But until then, um, pray, use your discernment, right? Discern, discern truth. And I would say never, ever turn your face away from the source of truth because in the end, nothing else matters. Thank you.